Welcome back to a new episode of No Ride Around, and um, we are going to follow a format today that is not terribly original, but it's fun, and uh, we have a, a group of uh, teammates that had some questions for us. Yeah, this is like a Q&A, but... Uh, but less, less real time. Yeah, less real time, So it's, and it's not curated because you have, the, you have the computer in front of you, and I've read the questions, but I haven't thought about them in a little bit because these have come in and trickled in over the last what month uh yeah maybe even more than that you know the and so, questions came up before we recorded our last session yeah so. but before this before you hit record on this episode we were i called my dad just now on speakerphone <laughs> one of the weirder conversations i've been privy to the conversation was done. It was wrapped in under a minute 15. Oh. It might have even been less than a minute. I said, I don't Super efficient. A, I asked him a single question. What was that question? What did you say? Uh, it was something to do with how many lemon heads you could eat at one time. That's exactly it. As a kid, my dad loved lemon heads. I don't know. Like I have to was, clarify what at one time is. Like in a sitting or how many can you fit in your face at once? Well, as you heard in the phone call, I think that... His rules to live by in the world of lemonheads was much more loosely developed. <laughs> but as a kid, like you hear your parents say something and it's lore, right? You're like, this was probably well thought out. There's a reason behind this. Yeah. And so we'd have lemonheads. Which as an adult, you realize is complete bullshit. You make everything up. That was how I finished the phone call with him. You heard it. I go, Dad, you don't even, you don't even fucking know. You just <laughs> made up that rule. But it was so um, sticky that, you know, 35 years later, yeah. I remember. Right. That there's a certain amount of lemon heads you can and cannot eat. And it's it has all, nothing to do with ability. It's a, just a rule. Yeah, it's a rule. It's a, and it's a hard rule. And so I called him on it, and, and he remembered, which I don't really think he remembered, but he said he remembered. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, dads are old. They forget shit. Yeah. So if it was five. You could have five lemon heads. And I remembered as a kid, it was, it was period. Like, he had the box. Said, hey, can I get a lemon head? And, like, once you hit five, it was game over. You're done. But maybe it was... In the mouth at one time. Right. And I think that might have been... And I don't think he had it as like an anti-choking measure. Like, I don't think there was real safety behind his... He was rationing lemon heads. He was not that's, wanting that's, to share. That's all it was. <laughs> Which, <laughs> as hard line as I am at the house, like with, with our shit, just between Abby and I, mm-hmm. I think if we threw a kid in the mix, like, I don't know if I have that much love, care, and compassion in my heart to not be like, hey, bitch, that's the end of the peanut butter, and you know it's mine. But, Dad, <laughs> it's my lunch. Well, I guess you're going to have to fight today, aren't you? Have you, have you watched uh, the show Barry? No. No? Okay. This will fall completely on deaf ears, but it's about an assassin who wants to be an actor. It's hilarious. Everybody should watch it. It's amazing. But he has to go and do a hit, and things get way out of hand, and he ends up fighting this dude's daughter, who's just like a 12-year-old little blonde girl. But she's like he's a taekwondo master, so she is... And she's like this little feral creature. She bites some dude's cheek off. Like it's it's unhinged. <laughs> I imagine that being the kid that you would raise, just like feral, completely just like chew your arm off for the last. Like the like the, the younger girl on uh on the boys. Yeah. Like that crazy chick. Yeah. 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 Chew your arm off, like, no, that's my peanut butter. Wanna bet, Dad? 
<laughs> like I think my, my parenting style would be like when you got home from school, work, walking the dog, whatever it was, you're like, and it's going to sound weird, but like all accoutrements are gone at the door. So like you strip down, our house is caveman butt naked. You grab your club when you walk in <laughs> and all day in the house, you yeah. have your club and that's it. Yeah. You're butt naked with your club and it's like be or be killed. Yeah. Well. I appreciate the perspective, but I feel like the neighbors might call somebody. Well, I mean, obviously, I'll tent the windows. You saw I put paper <laughs> up in the windows at the gym. Except for the guy <laughs> who lives underground across the street. That guy is, yeah, I don't even want to get. First off, you don't ever cross that guy. No. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm surprised there's not more tables like in his yard, which is also the roof of his house, where people just give him offerings just to be on his good right. side. Uh, anyhow, anyhow, I call my dad about these lemon heads for a reason. Um, I was going to tell that stupid story uh, to segue into the lemon drop. That bike ride two weekends uh, ago in Tucson. Tucson. Dude, just to bring this thing back to bikes before we got into the questions. I've like, I did the ride and instantly, even intra ride, uh, it was immediately jumping to like, this is one of my favorite rides of all time. Like, and not just, you know, part of it I thought was just, um, circumstance right like it's january it's the snow and ice on the trails in denver like you're not getting any good even if you're out riding it's not like a good like you shouldn't be pring right now that would be kind of weird if you were yeah it's just not great conditions it's like can i can i not and then i just dropped into warm dry desert so did i think it was better than it was and and i was rationalizing that while riding i'm like no dude this trail is sick the lemon drop shuttle mountain bike ride from top of or top ish of Mount Lemon down to the base. I've I've heard that. Uh, so I'm over two on Arizona trips this year. Oh, I know. I almost didn't want to bring up Arizona. It's okay. I've uh, made my peace with it. <laughs> it's it gets back to that thing. Like you know, why get mad if there's solution? If there's no solution, why get mad? You were over two on Arizona trips inside of six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I actually feel worse for for my guys than I do for me. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. But we were gonna we were gonna drive down and do the we were gonna shuttle it because Sam, yeah. Uh, but we were gonna do that and uh, just gonna have to try to figure out another another window. Um, I'm self inviting myself. <laughs> yeah. Hi, redundancy. Yeah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> um, to that to that trip because I will that ride is yeah. dude. Yeah. So cool. The worst thing was is as I was watching events unfold in my life and literally like hour by hour watching my trip slip away. Yeah. You're going to call you just to commiserate and <laughs> you're like, well, uh, if, uh, if it's any consolation, I just last minute booked a, a trip to go ride with Victor. Like, I mean, I'm glad for you because you're my boy. But I don't know how that was consolation. I don't really and like, did no. you did you stop and think about your timing of sharing this information <laughs> at all whatsoever? And matter of fact, I gotta go. You know what? I'd done the, I'd have done the same for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So anyhow, for you guys listening and want to know about bike riding because this is a bike riding oriented podcast, the Lemon Drop in Tucson. Do it. It is awesome. There's mandatory hike a bike, but it's not mandatory hike a bike where you're like pissed and angry and slipping on. It's like stared out. Okay. So, but you have to, you know, when I hear mandatory hike a bike, I think like, like yeah, I could ride it for Texans. <laughs> and I did ride. I definitely rode a lot more of the uphill than I think the average person does. Sure. Cause I just wanted to for the challenge, but there are, I mean, those are mandatory like big steps that you just 
bike was on my shoulders even and you carry it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they do that because the, all the pitches are super steep up, so you have this amazing long downhills. Right. And I have heard that like the 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 ratio, uh, you know, lots of times with the ratio of climbing to descending, like one to one is good. Right. Or one to one's amazing, really. Yeah, right. Um, but like when you can start skewing it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, one to one with mileage isn't even as fair as like one to one with time. That's sure. what's super important, right? Because yeah. downhills are fast. Yep. And so when you do fast downhills, you feel like the whole ride was climbing. Well, yeah, you probably spent 80% of the time. Yeah. This was more time spent descending, significantly more time spent descending than time spent climbing. Sure. Which was just badass. That's awesome. Well, now I'm all excited to go figure out how to Except get back down. Except the desert will kill you. Dude, the desert is gnarly. You don't like, we ride through trails here and you brush a tree or brush some, or actually, more importantly, you don't brush any of that shit. Eh. It's just like deciduous trees or maybe just open area or whatever. You know, and I don't think twice about like, man, I should really stay on this trail that's two feet wide or whatever. I just stay on the trail that's two feet wide because it's the trail. But in Arizona, just off that trail, everything will kill you. Uh And so I found myself cautiously looking along the side of the trail, like navigating. And I'm like, why am I, I would never ride like this. Yeah, but the trail will fucking kill you. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, the the cacti alone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like everything out there is so spiky, death driven. We, uh, when we went down in 2019 for uh, for the shop trip, um, I had never ridden anything like what was down there, and there was a couple of spots on in Phoenix Mountain Preserve that, uh, like, there's just a cactus in the middle of the trail, and you got to figure that shit out, like. <laughs> Like, that's it. Like, you're, you're, and then, you know, the real hard one was when they're at, on the inside apex of a corner. That's what I'm saying. They're like at your shins. Yeah. Or at your, like. Laughing. That two of us went around the same corner and we were going pretty fast and following pretty tight. And two of us, like, knuckled the same cactus, like, back to back. And had to stop and throw away, like, pick stuff out of gloves. Yeah. Like, yeah. How do you fix cactus coat? You don't. You throw it away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's gnarly. But it, there's no right. We were supposed to go to Sedona, which, no shit, I've been trying to get to Sedona for five years now. Like, right. Like, legitimately. I knew it was good. I knew it was a great place to go ride. Then my wife went uh, with a company she used to work for, and she calls me from there and just is gushing over how beautiful it is. She's sending me pictures. And then it was after that, it was everything I can do to get there. Finally had this trip booked and just the, the saddest trombone you could imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get in there. We'll get in. Yeah. There. Um, anyway, um, so on to the, the, this question format, uh, we did one last season, um, and I feel like I listen to enough podcasts, um, specifically, um, you know, cycling related ones. And I, I do listen to a lot of the, the ask a cycling coach and even those guys who that's their, that's their only format, right? Like they don't have it, it, a little bit of a point of contention, but they don't have content without questions. Right. Um, I think we, we obviously have a ton of content without questions. Or like the content with questions or guests. Yeah. Like so many of those are just guests and questions. Yeah. Um, so it's not to disparage what they do because I do like their podcast. But the reason I bring it up is 
you listen to enough of these Q&A cycling podcasts, and it probably trickles into triathlon, swimming, running, you know, rock climbing, like how to train, how to it, – it, it gets a little old. Like how many different ways can you ask, how should I fuel my workouts? Like, right. like there, there's kind of one way. Um, so the only reason that I wanted to do this is we have a network or a community of riders that maybe don't listen to those or would prefer a perspective of the people that they turn to as, um, the experts in their, their local hometown experts. Right. I, you know, when I was walking around the building to come in today and, I had to check myself because a lot of the questions that you get about gears and bikes and riding and where to ride and how to ride and the questions I get about nutrition and training and and periodization and all these things, you get them and you're just like, uh, duh, right? Like, that's how you do it. And we forget that, yeah, it's duh for you. Like, you know what tire pressure to Yeah, I live in it. You live in it. Yeah. And so it sometimes takes us like checking ourselves. I had, I had a, Guy at the gym asked this morning, um, he goes, hey, man, it was, it's Monday, you know, coming off the weekend. He goes, hey, man, so like uh, does skiing count as my workout? In my my head, I, I have the, hey, dumbass answer, you know, but I forget that that is rooted in years and years and years of yeah. understanding. Well, this. it's like the, the blog I wrote for the website the other day when one of our team members was like, how do you survive – Whatever, and like, go do hard shit, dumbass. Like, <laughs> right. But it really is for some people. I mean, that's a genuine question. Yeah. And so he genuinely asked that. And I'm like, well, I mean, for me, no, gravity does the work. It's not really that hard. But let me see your heart rate data. And it took me like in that role. I'm more mature than like right now. I'm going to be <laughs> totally. an asshole. Um, and then he showed it to me. And, and oh, shit, I looked at it. Actually, in the condition he's in, it is actually a really good low-intensity cardio workout, sure. which is what a lot more athletes need in their programming. And so we got to have a good conversation, but it was only because I was able to step back and not just be rooted in all my experience and education and just be like, oh, duh. And so I think unpacking these questions, and sometimes when when you do go to experts, you feel intimidated maybe to ask these questions because you don't want to feel like, well, you should know that. Yeah, totally. And I'm going to preface that I think a lot of the answers here have really simple answers. Well, they usually are. And like that might feel a little unsatisfactory, but you know, it's that whole, well, if the simplest thing is most likely true. Yeah. I, I, my first statement to this dude was going to be one, but I already, he got like two F words via text message before 6am. From, so, from you? From me, yeah. So like, <laughs> when he rolled in at when he rolled in at 557, like I had already exhausted my, my rope. He'd used it up. <laughs> like, so but my first response typically in that formula in that situation would be like, if you're asking me if it's a workout, you know the fucking answer. Right. Right. Totally. Like if you're if, hey there's, man, do you think this a fried is a, chicken breast? Yeah. Good uh, recovery <laughs> right, food. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if you're trying to rationalize it in any way, shape, or form, like you know the real answer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um if you want skiing to be your workout, make it your workout. Yeah, but yeah. like <laughs> But don't ever say that shit to me out loud. Right. Um <laughs> all right, well let's jump in. Uh, the first one um, I think, you know, there are people on the team. Let's just, you know, I got no problem calling anybody's name out. Uh, this is a question from Shane. Um, you're training on a budget, 
Choose one training approach. Invest in equipment and virtual training platform or get professional training and use a gym. Okay. So this is pretty cool because Shane and I are working together now right? <laughs> in, in a format. So um, all fitness, every single fitness program, exercise, formulation, all of it is built on six fundamental movements. Squat, lunge, push, pull, balance, and rotation. Okay, everything you've ever done, no matter how creative you thought that exercise was or that coach or how innovative, there was one of those six movement patterns. But if you don't know how to confidently do those six movement patterns, then you're, you're freaking screwed, right? So you can have the best programming, the most top-end equipment. Um, you can have everything to your disposal. But if you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. And when doing it wrong, just like anything, you could get hurt. You, but more than anything, you just waste, waste time. You're not doing it right. So I also don't think that us trainer dudes know everything and are necessary for everything. So if you spent one to three sessions, pay your, pay your money for it and learned like, Hey, I just want to learn. I need to know the basics and know that you're doing those right. You can build using freaking heavy rocks, bags of books, right? Like a kitchen chair. I used to work out with just gallons of water. Gallons of water, right? You can, listen, I've worked out in jail cells, all right? You can make weights out of anything. Right. And so you can, you can solve that. You can solve building a program by keeping it super simple. And there's so many free ones available online that you could get that shit for free too. But if you don't know what you're doing, then you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So, which means either wasting time or worst case scenario, injury. Totally. Which so, then waste more time. Totally. So just, but you don't, again, learn it once or twice or three times, like make sure I know it and then move on. And so my recommendation to anybody looking for coaching is make sure you know you're doing it 100%. Um, there's a cool new product out. I just got experience with it a couple weekends ago. And I know we've all seen it advertised, but and I knew what it was, but I never got to play with the mirror. Oh, yeah. and uh, I just thought it was like this big stupid tablet. Oh, man, we've talked shit about that on totally. the on the show totally. multiple times. But seeing it in action, I'm like, man, you could really find value if you didn't want to leave your house because trainers that want to do that or coaches that want to do that, and I don't fall in that category at all. They can virtually train and they get to watch and see you, and that's really what it boils down to. So, if you're working with a coach virtually, if they're willing to say, "Hey, the exercises you've never done before." Take video of you doing them so I can watch it. And the exercises you think you do know, like these bricks, like I need to be able to see you hinge, squat. I need to be able to see you push and pull, like just to make sure we're oriented the right way with body position and activation and like all the little tricks and tips that we find. Let me see you do that. Take video. Like a virtual coach should do that. And my problem with this COVID era coaching is that so many coaches puke out this content and maybe make a video of them doing it and then just go, hey, cool. That's yours now, and there's not a back and forth feedback. Right. It's uh, it just goes out, and it, and it's kind of just in the abyss, and it's up to people to to know that they're doing it right. It, it's how I used to coach. So pre December nineteenth, two thousand and ten, when I coached, I would be like, "All right, guys, we're gonna do this, this, and this. Here, just check it out. You can do this." And I would physically do it and be like, "Just watch me, motherfucker." And this is how you do it. And then like when you get stronger, you get bigger ones. And then like <laughs> come over here. And do that and do this. And I'd always show like the super top end badass version of stuff to show off. Yeah. And then in December 19th, 2010, I broke my back in my sternum. And, uh, you know, 
missed a day of work, but was back on Wednesday. And then in a moment's time was unable to demonstrate physically. So I had to do all coaching verbally. And I was like, holy crap. And then it really taught me how to do that. And for all the years prior to that in coaching, I was doing a disservice to anyone who learns verbally or who doesn't have the body awareness to be able to put themselves in that position and be like, oh yeah, that's how you do it. Like you can't pantomime movement patterns and, and just hope brain, the muscle works. When um, we had a one of our friends over to the, to the gym who's top level professional mountain biker for years and he couldn't he couldn't move for shit he couldn't move for dick and i was just <laughs> was like terrible. like how does like this other shit happen for you and this can't no and he's in and i've seen him on the bike super graceful yeah. somebody said that to me um just this last weekend uh one of our coaches was like yeah man like watching you just sit on a bike it's so graceful and you should watch me dance i dance like a fucking psychopath it's terrible no grace at all and so it, it was, I, I remembered yeah. that too. It's just the same way, you yeah. know? Um, so what are, uh, we kind of got, we, we got on just enough attention that I lost kind of a train of thought that I had, but, um, so I guess a, a, a good kind of follow through to this to like create a plan or, you know, for somebody to create a plan is for, conditioning and weight training, try to work with a coach, whether it's virtually as long as there's a two-way, right? As long as there's a two-way interaction or ideally, if you feel safe, go to a gym. Yeah. And I think, and this is the biggest piece is remember trainers and coaches and gyms, like they're there to make money. Right. And so when, when you engage in a personal training relationship, um, that's a that's a windfall of cash either for an individual trainer or for the gym or otherwise. And so they'll oftentimes build a plan. Hey, I'm going to build you a six-week, an eight-week, a 12-week program, and then you're like, I'm going to see this person 24 times. Or whatever. You know what I mean? And so it's three grand to do this, right? So I would actually be super pleased if somebody came to me, you know, not a teammate, not a team member, but through the website, off the street, and they just simply walked in, hey, man, I don't know how to train in the gym at all whatsoever. All these moves – like if I'm honest with you, intimidate me to do with a lot of weight because I, I don't want to hurt myself, but I need you to teach me how to squat and, and lunge and balance and rotate and just do the basic movement patterns. And I just need to be able to know that I'm doing that right. I'd be like, dude, awesome. We can do that in two visits. And it would be a super clean, crisp communication, expectation, and we can knock that out. Nice. Um, and I don't think any good coach would ever be offended by that. Sure. And then... At the, on the, the merits of that experience, maybe the person comes back. Yeah, whatever, or not. Like, or, you know, it's our job as coaches and trainers to empower people to be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Boom, tagline, fortune cookie, fucking eat that shit, <laughs> right? So if you allow me to do that in two visits, that's a great feeling. But don't just simply blindly follow something and think you're doing it right. Because I just started working with a guy in gym who um, had a, and, and I think I've talked about this already before. He had an impression of how he moved and he was, well, I move pretty good. And then you watch him move and you're like, yeah, but like my trained eyes and shit are like, not at all. It's how I talk about descending trail and Andy would watch me and be like, dude, you're doing that, 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 yeah, that wrong. Like, rip you to shreds. You would rip me to shreds and I may be three seconds behind him. Yep. He would rip me to shreds. On but one section. Yeah. But that's his trained that's eye what, yeah, and he knows totally. like he's picking that out for me. I've had, I mean, in, in your gym space, I've had it happen to me a number of times. I'm like, hey, man, I'm nailing this. And somebody's like, dude, you're like 
pretty imbalanced. Like, let's work on this. Like, right. damn it. <laughs> um, so I'm guessing I, I, to me, it sounds like there's kind of a hybrid answer here, which is if you want to go to a gym space full time, go to a gym space, hire a personal trainer, work with a small group coach, like you do at E3. Um, but then you, you said yourself, there's stuff that you don't need to be around for. Yeah, I mean, so like w- those things to me, this is a cycling, like a ra- bike racing podcast. So to me, that's trainer or indoor riding time. You probably don't need to watch like if I'm tilting my pelvis right or wrong while I'm doing threshold intervals. Right, right. Yeah. I, if, you know, it's like anything. There's only so much time in the day and only so many resources in the bucket that your wife lets you draw out of. <laughs> and so, you know. It's everybody. I mean, it's, yeah, like, maybe it's not a wife. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's, it's a, yourself. Like, yeah. you, you know, we all it's have other interests. We all like, you know. So, yeah, it, it, it's just like I'm not sitting here trying to pitch and sell what we do. I Just like anything, make sure you're doing it right first. Yeah. And so before you buy the fancy, there's no piece of equipment on the market that's like the magic thing. Right. Like there's not one thing out there that is is like if you buy this, you're going to fix all your problems. Right. Like. Right. A vibrating waist belt. I mean, a fucking shake weight. Those power plates that vibrate that you stand on. Like, yeah. there's no secret ticket. It's hard work, consistency, and if you can do your hard work consistently the right way, yeah. then you're going to get there, no matter what you're using for a weight. Right. Um. So, for me, if I had to make the as a uh, uh, just a, a bike guy, I would say, um, to kind of put a bow on this one and move on to the next one, um. Invest in equipment and virtual training platform or get professional. And I think the answer is for conditioning and body movement, weights, um, off-bike stuff, work with a trainer, whether it's virtual or in-person. I think, you know, do that. Somebody to, to tell you that you're moving your body right. If you need them to write you a program, then pay, pay the motherfucker. Right. <laughs> um, and then, you know... It's no secret that I'm a big fan of the indoor bike training and structure there. So, like, if you have the budget, do that. But if you don't, ride your bike outside. Yeah. And <laughs> if you want to be faster than you were last year, ride your bike more than you did last year. Yeah. And, and again, it, this is like the duh moment. But, like, really, it, it is just about that consistency. And I, I think we're going to – that's going to be a big thread through this whole thing is, like – Whatever you do, do it consistently. Um, And if buying, uh, as the article you just read, buying an impossible to find super smart trainer and an indoor uh, subscription to something makes you be consistent, then that's awesome. Yeah. Just do it right. Yeah. That's the key. Um, One of our really, like, probably... I don't know if he's the fastest anymore because of Brian. He might be second under 30 miles. Yeah. All right. So um, Chad has, as the resident fast guy, um, he's got a lot of questions, which says to me, first and foremost, if you just ride your bike a lot, (laughs) you'll go real fast because he rides his face off. Right. Um, So he's got some kind of... uh, as nerdy as I am about indoor training and, and training modalities uh, is stuff that's even sales over my head. So we might need a little. Uh, May not be able to read all of his questions. No, no, no. But I, I also 
uh, some of them go real fast. Like right now, like I'll, I'll fire one. One of his is take supplements or, or real food. Well, if you can eat real food, you should eat real food. <laughs> like we can scratch that. Like there's supplements. I, I take a, a, like after any hard effort, I have a little recovery drink that I do with collagen protein, but like that gets followed by real food. Yeah. <laughs> The, the rule on supplements is twofold. Um, one, it's called a supplement. It's right, not exactly. called food. It's, the, the, and so this yeah. like, uh, you know, Instagram's feeding these ads for that Huel, and I know you get them. Oh, yeah. H-U-E-L. No, yeah, like, no, I... I saved a bundle and I built all this muscle. It's just a shakety shake, shake, shake drink and my food. So we, like, it's a supplement. Yep. So it, they're, they're really just built to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And so you have bricks. Those should be real food. And then you got fill in the gaps with supplements. And it's just typically about speed, right? That's what the whole purpose of a supplement is. Hey, I would really like to have grilled chicken breast and kale salad and roasted plantains and, you know, and some sliced avocado, but I got to put that shit in my gym bag and it'll make a pretty big mess. Right. I feel you. So a shake works, right? But you need to, you like, you want to take something in right after you're done. Yeah. I mean, it's close to right after you're done. You more than anything, you just want to have um, a structured nutrition plan. And so there's actually Chad's calling in right now, all sorts of pissed off that, (laughs) no, um, you want to have a a structured nutrition plan, which typically requires a post-workout window, which typically is on the run, which typically supplements are the best and easiest way to do it. So they're just a supplement. They aren't the thing. Yeah. Rule number one. Rule number two, right? And this one's super important. Only take supplements that you're going to take forever. And here's what I mean by that. Our body gets conditioned and used to inputs. And so if you're going to start taking a supplement that promises X, Y, and Z, and then you freaking awesome, start getting X, Y, and Z. That's great. Remember that when you stop taking said supplement, (laughs) X, Y, and Z are gone, right? right? So like creatine is in here. Now creatine, I say creatine, most people think like bodybuilder, muscle, big jack dude. But creatine does phenomenal stuff for endurance athletes. There's so much research on I've, this. I just recently like, dipped my toe into some of that. Dude, it will instantly make you start taking creatine. Like, yeah. It is amazing for endurance athletes. When you stop taking it, that amazing goes away. When you stop rubbing amp lotion on your legs, that awesome feeling is not the same. So I say only take supplements you're willing to take forever so as to condition both yourself physically and your expectation and keep them tempered, you know? Right. Um, best way to lose weight for cycling. Other than cycle more? <laughs> like ride more? <laughs> right. And I, I think I get what he's saying. Because, like, I don't know where he has weight to lose, really. Like, you know, like, they're, myself included, like, I've got legitimate like I can lean way out before I reach the optimum of weight and power. Yeah. So Chad's in a different category. Chad's super lean, Yeah. right? A lot of elite riders are super yeah. lean. An elite rider in their purest form, like best for the event, right? A race event. That rider is probably a small, very small percentage point away from being sick as fuck. Mm-hmm. So they're on the line. Yep. So yeah, they, I mean that's elite like, athletes across the board. It's all the way. Yeah. You, they're so because they're at, they have pushed the body to the limit so far that if they teeter just a little bit, like if the if the wind blows a little too fierce, they fucking got pneumonia, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. 
And, and that's just, that's exactly how it is. And so you don't want to be there all the time. So if Chad's question is, how do I get to like race weight, right? Like if I'm losing weight, losing weight, or I'm in my good weight, training weight, but then I have my A event and I want to get my weight down really low. How do I do that best? And for a cyclist, I'm going to recommend like, fuck, this is like almost like me saying buy an e-bike. Like it's almost <laughs> as offensive. Um, run. Is that because your body's not used to it? Yeah. Okay. So running, running is, I mean, it's, you're going to be as a, as a cyclist and a non-runner, you're probably a shitty runner, right? Like, yeah. and I'm talking about pure bike riders, not like triathletes. Cause they're not real humans. Um, <laughs> they're not real bike riders. <laughs> no, like why swim? <laughs> um, so we don't run. And so it's a very foreign movement. Means you're inefficient. Means you're inefficient, which means you can't go that fast. And you can't go that long. Right. And that's great because you're going to get injured if you go fast or long, right? Right. But inputting running on small intervals into your program. So if you have a day that's a strength-based day, you're off the bike, doing mobility work, Mm -hmm. toss in a few one-mile intervals, Mm -hmm. right? You're not going to be fast, but that repetitive motion, A, is really good for biking because it simulates out-of-saddle work. And B is just a great way to get you into a steady fat loss scenario mm-hmm. that you don't ever do. And it doesn't take that much longer. And I'm, now I'm talking to Chad directly. I'm doing, I do this myself. I am a public admission now for the last two months. I have been running consistently every week, several miles a week, but I only do them in one mile increments. That's it. And I break them up throughout a workout. Okay. Um, all right. Um, what about the larger populace? Um, you know, there's uh, within the, you know, it's 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 training season, right? You know, right. We, we decided we were going to do away with off season. Um, so I just want to call the winter is training season, right? Um, so it's training season, and a lot of people are looking at say the time from October to March as a time to optimize their body composition. Right. And so what you see a lot of is people hitting hard cardio workouts and, um, trying to make there. I feel like I see a lot of people trying to balance an impossible balance of using the, the training season to improve their performance on the bike, but also optimize their weight loss on the bike. And those things seem kind of at odds. Yeah. I just had somebody last week, racer, say that thing. They, they wondered how much, you know, how much bike training should I be doing right now? And I told them, I go, honestly, if we're working on the athlete, let's just work on the athlete. I think there's a lot of focus put on bike performance in, in the winter training season. Yeah. And in your spot on where you can't do like you're not going to be your best on bike self and be your best working on myself self because if you're working on yourself self the athlete like you need to get some heavy lower body work in make you super sore it's going to make your ride kind of suck the next day it doesn't mean you don't do it you do the ride but you temper the expectation into getting in the time right the base mileage or whatever um I think where you, where you headed was let's talk about the normal human with this weight loss question yeah, just I mean I think there's a I think that who I, my shape and who I am as a bike rider is more representative of a bigger group of people. Yeah. I think that most people love you and Chad, but you're just (laughs) not the norm. 
most people don't understand their nutrition strategy as much as they think they do. Yeah. And most people think that more work is going to be better work. Most people work out primarily in the fatigue zone only and then over fuel because they feel really worn out and fatigued. And so they may look at their total calorie loss for the day and their total intake for the day and be like, but I think this makes sense. And there's a lot of I thinks and like this I think and that I think. The primary thing somebody could do in this training season is develop your nutrition strategy as cleanly, as clearly as your drivetrain shifts. So, however, that's bad news for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that drivetrain. But like you push the shift lever, and it's like very crisp. You know when it's yeah. going to happen, how yeah. it's going to happen. You have an expectation of it, and it's met every time, unless you need some chain loop. Right. And most people's nutrition strategy is not that crisp and clean. And we're used to in season riding. So, like when you're in the heart of the bike racing year. You know, you've got shot blocks and goo packs and enduro bites, and you've got like my pre workout and my post. Like, there's all this race fuel, and it's so like calorie, calorie, and take this in, take that. And then you go into the winter training season, and we still have that same relationship, but you were trying to like cut weight and drop weight. So, and also get stronger. And, and yeah, it, and so you're like, like you're, this, this doesn't, isn't the same. And so it's got to pivot a little bit. Um, do you follow the philosophy or do you believe in the philosophy of like, you know, how do I like, like the shape of your body will come like the shape that your body composition will come with consistency, like fuel your workouts, whether it's on bike, off bike, like eat correctly. Don't agonize over it unless you have like a major metabolic hurdle to get over. Like, do you think it'll just come with consistency and commitment? Okay. So, so like if we were to do your body scan, right? and see where people are at and body fat's kind of categorized into like four areas so we have elite which is going to be you know women sub 18 percent men sub 10 percent like pretty low body fat mm-hmm. right uh we're going to have athletes so for men you're going to range between like 10 and 15 percent body fat that's a good athlete like mm-hmm. you see that guy and you're like, dude the guy's in great shape right mm-hmm. then you have healthy which for men's like 15 to 25 range, right? And that's going to be 15 to 20, really. 15 to 20, actually. Sorry, not 25. 15 to 20 is healthy. The other way to look at that H label, healthy, is also like homeostasis or like where your body, you just were a human living a life where you had to go like get food and find food and, Mm -hmm. but just lived your life. And, you know, that would be homeostasis, right? And that is that healthy range, that 15 to 20. If you're above, that 20% mark and we're 88% male audience. So I'm just going to stick with that. And women add 8% to all that shit. Um, so, cause you got screwed and I'm totally sorry about that. And it's the latest, but if you're above 20%, the overweight is where we start to talk about yeah. right? Your body is built to be in that right on that healthy line and you're above it, right? As much as you think those elite athletes work, to be super ripped, like how much effort that must, my God, that must take, you must work out all the time and always watch what you eat. And and that is true, they do. You unwittingly or unknowingly work just as hard to be above that 20%. And this is excluding like a metabolic imbalance or some sort of inflammation issue, a a body thing's out of your control, right? You know, we're not going after people who have a thyroid issue. Something that they just can't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not talking about out of their control. Totally. Yeah. Everybody else can control what they put in their mouth. Yeah. And let's be real. Like, if you think you have like a thyroid issue or maybe I'm allergic to this, I'm probably, I'm probably gluten intolerant. No, you're just fucking eating stupid (laughs) and drink. Like, 
And that's just the real honest truth. Like you're working as hard as you think Mr. Ripped guy is working in the gym. Yeah. You're working as hard by making inefficient or poor decisions or giving yourself outs and grace. Like, oh, just have a little bite. Oh, yeah. just have a little bite. That's how you got here. It was always just a little bite, a little taste, a little bit, mm-hmm. right? It just became more and more frequent or you, you got to work to be there. And I think that people don't hear that enough. And because we, you know, you don't want to just, you don't want to be mean, right? But when I do a body count scan, if you're above 20, I just go, hey, you're working as hard to be above this number as I do to be under that number. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you can buy into that, you'll say, well, shit, I'm going to stop working so hard to be above that number. Yeah. And then look at what you're doing. Like, what am I doing to be above that number? Okay. One of the biggest things that inhibits weight loss, poor sleep, minimal sleep, right? Your body yeah. recalibrates that sleep time. If you don't sleep well and you have sh- and I can get by on four hours of sleep, you might be able to mentally and emotionally for a while, but your body can't. And mm-hmm. so sleep is one of the biggest inhibitors to weight loss. Yeah. Stress is number two, mm-hmm. right? A body locked down in stress. Number two reason for inhibited uh, weight loss, right? And then being really honest about what you need, right? What do I need? Do I need... My body is fueled by fat from resting heart rate to like my aerobic threshold, right? Which is when I start to kind of start to breathe hard, right? Not like even like a hustled up jog to Safeway, but like breathing hard, right? I'm riding a bike. All that time down there, you're a fat burning machine. So eat a fat based diet for those that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then when you are going to be in more of like a workout zone, or I know I'm going to get to that workout zone. Okay. How long is the workout going to be? How many carbs do I really need for that workout? Okay, do I am I over carving? Okay, probably don't need as much as I maybe I don't need 60 grams of carbs. Maybe I need 30 grams of carbs, mm-hmm. right? And then do the workout. How hard was it? Do I really need like be 750 yeah. calories to recover from that super hard one hour deal? Right. Right? Or do I really need like 350? Sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt. Yeah. Just a little bit. I like. I'm on board 100%. So I'm not going to contradict you, but I'm going to give people a little tip, which is most of us don't know what a cup or a quarter cup or 100 grams looks like. Totally. Um, buy a food scale. That it's not a weird thing to do. I have two in my house. Buy a food scale, and even if you just do it, for like it's a lot of work to measure your food all the time, and pain it's exhaust. It's a huge pain in the ass. Um. But to get one thing that's helped me tremendously has been the meal prep. So if I if I do want to record my my food for a week, like meal prep, and then you make five breakfasts and five mid morning snacks and five lunches and five after, like it's all the same. So you know what your calorie intake is every day. Um, but but legit, like spend a week and just figure out what you know. A, the big one for me is I love like trail mix and I love cashews and, and nuts. Well, a quarter cup, 190 calories, and it's it is a, a tiny sh- shit amount exactly. of calories. So the people, are, people are like, oh, bring bring cashews for a healthy snack. Yeah, if I want to eat a 800-calorie yeah. snack. I, so it, <laughs> I, I just – it's not a weird thing to do. And like my wife, she doesn't care to know that stuff and – so she looks at me a little bit funny, but she does things like when we make 
uh, something with, with bonza pasta, I'm like, Hey, can you not just mix it all together? Like I, I want to make sure I just get the serving size that right. I'm, you know, so like it takes a little help if you cohabitate, but like, but do it like it'll, I think you'll be astonished, um, at how much you, you get and, uh, or, or uh, how yeah. much you overeat. Yeah. Well, and that's, what I, so I just pulled up a note. I, I that was what I, I paused you on. Sorry, my bad. So, uh, <laughs> this was nutrition tracking for Paulina. One of our coaches is in grad school for nutrition and she had to do a project, but with COVID their like planned project got squashed because the program she was going to work with is, is not operating in this past weekend. I took the staff on a hut trip. So we were skinning and snowshoeing in the backcountry to this hut and she said, hey, would you mind if like we were all my group projects, test subjects? And I'm like, well, it seems like it works in. Um, it was a fucking pain in the ass. But not so much that I wasn't glad that we helped. But she asked us to do this. And I didn't mean to say it was a pain in the ass so quickly. But she's like, hey, just want everyone to record everything they eat and record all their activity. And we all have my zones. So we got to record calorie output and time working out. I'm like, that sounds super simple. Yeah, we're all on board. And then we start doing it. I'm like, dude, you have to like write all this stuff dude, down. Dude, it's a lot to write. And then I started thinking like, man, I'm a fat ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like 4.05 a.m., two pieces. So I'm like writing, 6.45 a.m., I ate again. Then I taught it a cycling class. 10.15, I ate again. Fuck, 11, I ate again. Shit, 1.15, I ate. 2.30, I ate. 4 o'clock, I ate. 5.15, I ate. Yeah. 7.15, I ate. And then we did seven hours of activity. 10 p.m., I ate. I was like going yeah, through this. Like, like, dude, so- I eat all the time. Right. But they're like one, you're not eating five handfuls of cashews, right? Right. I'm not eating like your shit's really well planned out. I, I, so in you talk about meal prep and we're, we're going to, we're falling on this rabbit hole and that's okay. Cause I think this information applies for everybody. Yeah. Um, you talk about meal prep and you do it. And we've talked about it on the podcast before you got these badass little like containers with the lids and they're totally like yeah. BPA free and save the fucking turtle plastic or some <laughs> shit. But you've got, you've got all this stuff and you're super and you're on it. And I think that that's awesome. Um, I don't do any of that prep in that capacity because I do it mental prep. Right. So, and I think that that's in the skate and out for some of you, because a lot of people think like gym guy, grills 12 chicken breasts on a Sunday. And then he's like prepped in Tupperware and all. And there's a lot of gym guys that are. And gym a, girls a, are. I mean, it's three hours. Yeah. It's, it's hours of work, but I'm mentally prepped. So yeah. I know exactly what, like, right. I know exactly what dinner is tonight. Yeah. I know what dinner is every night of this week. Yeah. Right. And I know what my breakfast is every day. Cause it's always the same. And I know what my lunches are because I know what I bought as supplies for it. And so they're not all put together, but, but you have everything. There's no questions. Right. And then there's no deviation from that. Um, and that's the discipline that that I think people struggle with it in all areas, yeah. but in this area, it makes a huge impact on who you are as an athlete. Right, and that's the big asterisk here, guys. Like, I'm willing to, not willing. Like that makes it seem like I'm some. Anyway, whatever. Wrong choice of words. There are people who want to experience cycling differently than we do, um, and they're they're not seeking optimum performance, right? And right. so, like, sorry, this isn't for you. <laughs> like, I don't mean to say it that way, but this particular conversation isn't that person. Now, if you just want to ride bikes to have fun, and that's, again, that's probably, I mean, not probably, that is without a doubt the lion's share of people who mountain bike. They want to go out and they want to have fun, and it's not a performance thing, it's a woohoo thing. And that's okay. 
You, you got to give it room. I give it room, but let me tell you this. Mr. Mr. Fun Guy, who's yeah. like, just ride bike for fun? Yeah. Why'd you ask how much lighter the carbon version well, is than the aluminum version? And what I'm going to say is, you're right. The As much as the, the woohoo guy or the woohoo rider needs to, like, we need to give that rider room to breathe, they have to, like, understand that, they could be having a better time if they paid a little bit more attention. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. Like if all you wanted to do is go out to ride the bike to have fun, then any bike would work. But yeah. no, you want like a dope bike because you yeah. want to have the dope fun. Yeah. And, you know, I see this all the time. And, and not trying to make this like a coaching clinic about nutrition, who you should well, be. It's a big thing. Every single person in this area, okay? Because like... Colorado's weird, man. If you're in like Djibouti, Africa and just wondering where you're getting clean fucking water today, you probably don't... Like, you don't have the... I said yeah. to somebody today, like, guys, we have the luxury to be bored, right? <laughs> we have the luxury totally. to, to do this, the, to wonder these questions. Everyone wants to be in better physical shape. Yeah. Across the board. Even yeah. if you're the fun guy. Because when you are Mr. Fun Guy, after seven hours of the fun guy and he's having... Man, I know if I lost a few pounds, dude, would have been even a little faster. Yeah. They all say that shit. Yeah. Right? Like, so it is it, no longer here in Denver are you a pariah if you care about how you eat and how you move. Right. Um, but you shouldn't ever feel that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, the, and one last thing that I, I, I want to say to like round the edges of you as it pertains to nutrition. Um, is you said something to me, I don't know, maybe a month ago and it stuck. We always pick on you about eating cheese, right? I was like, I've seen Justin eat cheese one time and it was after Leadville, right? And you're like, it, I don't know why it's stuck, but it's stuck that, again, there's this perception that gym guys, trainers have this like, like really negative, uh, relationship with decadent foods. And you said something, and I honestly can't remember what it was in reference to or, 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 like, what the conversation was. But you were like, no, man. Like, if you eat cheese, like, yeah, that's fine. Go buy some nice cheese and sit there and eat the nice cheese. If you like cheese, don't put it on a burger and tell me you're enjoying the cheese. Right. right? Like, Yeah. And it's like, you know, especially if you're training to be a racer or training to optimize your, your human output – Know that eating a bunch of cheese is going to detract from that. So if you're going to make the sacrifice, make it worth it. Totally. And, and be honest with yourself about it. Because when you are, do I really like cheese? Or do I just put that shit on everything? Because I always have since, like, guys, don't get me wrong. Wonder white bread, Oscar Mayer bologna, individual slices of Kraft American cheese, and Miracle Whip. Lunch. Every day for a lot of years. Right. Right. So I was conditioned that that's just how you made a sandwich. Like, and the question isn't, do you want cheese at a sandwich or a deli <laughs> shop? Just, it's what kind of cheese? Yeah. I don't want any. Uh, what? What? Yeah. No, I don't want any. How about you put some fucking sprouts on there for me? Yeah. Oh, you know, don't and those. don't charge me. <laughs> or that's what I always do. Yeah. I get them on the cheese and the no charge. Yeah. Like, dude, I don't want any cheese, but will you put our avocado on there? Yeah, we charge for avocado. Yeah, but no, like, I don't want the cheese, and I just want the... So, like, to me, it's a, it's the same thing. So... We have a, uh, I don't know if it's a outside of Colorado chain, but here in Colorado, there's a burrito chain called Illegal Pete's. And if you don't get cheese or sour cream, you get guac for free. And that is, do you know what? Because they're fucking humans. 
That's why. <laughs> and I will I always like, take guac over. Like, yeah. I love cheese and sour cream, but I will always take like, guac over they're cheese humans. and sour cream. <laughs> they're human. And, on a, and, and this is the last one we'll let it go. Yeah. But, like, yeah. um, and also, like, just because the shit's, like, vegan or gluten-free doesn't mean it's healthy. Yeah. So, like, if you are paying attention to this stuff. So, I started in uh, Tulum a year ago. We went to this place, Raw Love Cafe. If you're in Tulum, Mexico, you got to go to Raw Love Cafe. It's insane. It'd be $57 for avocado toast and acai bowl. And but you're be happy to pay. Yeah, I did it three days in a row. So um, it's amazing. But um, they put cashew cheese on this avocado toast. So I come back and I start getting this cashew cheese, whatever. And so um, I started looking at it and I'm like, well, a, a tablespoon of cashew cheese is like 190 calories of pure fat, which is fine. It's good. It's cashew. And like yeah. you, to your point, it's, but if you're just adding, well, I don't put cheese on it. I put vegan. You're still putting 200 calories right. of yeah. a spread on a thing that had like meat and hopefully some vegetables and some bread or a tortilla or yeah. whatever. Like so, you 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 can't just think like, oh, it's vegan. Just yesterday at a hut with a buddy skiing. Hey man, you want some of this coffee cake? Nope, don't eat coffee cake. Just ate two bowls of oatmeal with peanut butter on it and some honey. Yeah. Don't want any coffee cake. Oh, it's gluten free. Don't fucking change the sugar that's in it. Like, mean I'm already, I'm already sugar loaded. My glyc levels are up. I don't need it. So gluten free or not, bro? Like, what? Uh, what is you oh, kind of date rape shit. drug? Do you think gluten free or vegan means to me? It's, like, not, it's a snake oil, man. It's terrible. So just honesty is lacking in our own self. Uh, self understanding of what we take in. So, like you said, track for one week. Just track, dude. It's crazy. It'll change how you eat. And I just heard this idea on a different podcast, but... Just in the future, steal those and then just say them on our podcast. <laughs> no, I'm well, kidding. Don't, I, do they're, don't do that. I count us as very lucky that we have listenership overlap. So I kind of... I can't just like <laughs> yeah, no, fake no, no. it. You know I, what I mean? You can't fake it anymore. Um, they know us, so you like, call it our bullshit. But like, do it one week out of the month. Yeah. Like, I hadn't thought of that idea. But to do it one week out of the month, just because month just, like your eyes grow. Like totally. a week after doing it, you're like, all right, dude, I have a solid idea of what a quarter of a cup of trail mix looks like. And then it gets a little bit bigger. Well, beha- bigger. behavior ha- patterns like creep in. So for instance, like uh, we're sitting right here and I just drank this gingerade kombucha, right? Yeah. Now we do these episodes and it's really fun to, you know, we bring in our little snacks and we bring in drinks mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. um, and I had Americana before we came. And so I didn't, you got yours now. I don't, I didn't need a coffee. I'm like, oh, I got this bubbly drink and I like, uh, so if you're trying to kick booze, not that I'm drinking this as like an AA clinic over here, but kombucha is a great way. Like when you're trying to cut some calories, booze is a really easy one to cut out. So kombucha, great choice. But it's still, you know, and it's only 50 calories, right? It's like, which I was shocked. Like I didn't realize that literally until I was doing food tracking and I put that in. I thought, I just thought it was more. Yeah, well, it was. So they've, GTs, which is what you and I drink, yeah. they've actually cut their calorie okay. content down. But yeah, it's, it's 50 calories, but it's 12 grams of sugar. Yeah. Right. And there's some rules with like sugar that I have. Like for instance, a bar, a meal replacement bar should be a one-to-one sugar to protein. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's a meal replacement and if you're going to go one-to-one-to-one with sugar, protein, and fat, that's awesome. Right. As a meal replacement. Um, cereal. People love cereal. Dudes love cereal. Do I give up cereal a year and a half ago? And it's like, I so miss it. Like you told me about like the mix of cereal and then the microwave peanut butter. Oh, dude. And it, I like it so much that I restrict how much I allow myself. It's like once a month. Like it's, it's a once a month treat. It's so good. I used to have it every night. I know. Um, 
But a rule of cereal is you can't, don't buy cereal that has more than 10 grams of sugar, uh-huh. total sugars. And so the exception being if you do one with dried fruit, but if you have dried fruit, it's going to really throw the sugar content up. You need to be aware of that to get your macros right. And so this has only 50 calories, but it's 12 grams of sugar. So am I going to take in 12 grams of protein somehow to offset that 12 grams of sugar for a balanced snack? Well, I need to be aware of that. And this is an innocent 50 calorie kombucha, yeah. right? This is, that's an innocent hundred calorie packet of mini Oreos. Yeah. That's an innocent, you know what I mean? In, but you gotta be honest yeah. and we don't, we don't do that and stuff creeps in. Yep. Um, all right, that's that's enough about nutrition. Wow. Sorry, I mean you could go on and on and on. I mean, right? there's literally podcasts only talk about yeah. this shit. So suffice to say, um, that's one of those rabbit holes to 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 just kind of try to walk away from a little. We bit. We just got a <laughs> World War One trench yeah, we, warfare we, pivot we from this thing. We did. We just got to climb out. Um, one that I want to jump into is uh, fasted training. Because I had an experience, like yeah. I, I tried uh, intermittent fasting, um, and while I had some good um, body composition results, which is great, awesome, cool, thumbs up, um, makes training hard if you train in the morning. So we didn't map this episode out. We didn't draw like a big old, Mm-mm. you know. We just had a list of questions. More like a Candyland board instead of like a <laughs> shoots a, and ladders, yeah. trapdoors and Mouse shit. trap, <laughs> fucking getting crushed. Um, but wow, these things synced up really well. Intermittent fasting worked for you for body composition. Yeah, and it you, sucked for everything else. You were able to train, but not the same way. But if your focus is just on, I need to work on my body right now. Intermittent fasting and fasted cardio can totally work. But if you want your performance to be the best it's going to be, then you're not going to be able to do the intermittent fasting side of things. And so when you stop doing that thing, like a supplement or a program that's giving you the results, and you stop doing it, those results are going to stop also. Mm-hmm. And in my in, in my personal experience, the pendulum swung back a little bit. To, yeah. So, and that's going to be – in some people – the positive results will hang a little bit better. You know, everybody's body's a little bit different on what it latches onto, but you quit doing the one thing and you lose the benefit. So my deal with intermittent fasting, if your full soul focus is weight loss, cool. Don't let any other focus be the focus then. So if you're going to get bummed out on your power numbers and your endurance numbers and your whatever, like you can't, right? And so have a realistic expectation and have a primary focus. Cool. But when things change, things will change. And understand that. Can't do all of it at once. Can't do it I all at once. There's a couple of recurring themes here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there, there's a balance and there's there's a way that like things have to go. And you can't just do all of them. And so you're right. The recurring theme, in, if I had to summarize it to this point, can, could change to some crazy word. <laughs> but right now it's, it's clarity. Mm-hmm. Clarity on my training purpose. Clarity on how I train. Am I doing it right? Clarity on... How do I, like, am I being honest with what I really take in? Um, fasted cardio works for fat loss. You cannot reach your upper thresholds and limits of performance on fasted cardio. And, of course, there's going to be someone who listens to this and shows the one article, uh, you know, the, the vegan Olympian article that blew up yeah. some months ago. And then everyone, there was the documentary that came out. And everyone oh, yeah. lost their mind. All of these Olympic athletes are vegans. And we talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah but there are 
there are tens of thousands of Olympic athletes, like worldwide, yeah. right? And yes, we found this group of them that are doing amazing, but we found just this group. And so there's going to be an example that can poke holes in this. But for the most part, if you're fasted, you're not going to reach your upper limits of performance. If that's not your goal right now, cool. Fast cardio, you'll lose some weight. Mm-hmm. But when you go back to performance, pivot and change. In a, uh, how do I want to phrase this? In a, uh, first of all, I, when I did intermittent fasting, I looked high and low and there's no article that I was able to find that supports being an endurance athlete and fast and, uh, intermittent fasting. At least not simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there we'll just like, if somebody finds one, let me know, hit me up, email me, uh, whatever. But I looked exhaustively because I was having really good results with body comp. I was like, man, is this sustainable? And there's not a single article to support that it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. When you bring up this question of intermittent fasting, it's it's not the shiny thing. Someone's looking for like an easy button because intermittent fasting is not easy. You have to like you change. It's fucking hard. And change period is not easy, right? So you have to change. So you're not you're not somebody like looking for the easy button. You're you're no. try, trying something that's change oriented and it's difficult and it's challenging. That's that's awesome. Um, Man, where was I going with this? I just had like this super, like prophetic statement to make <laughs> about about this. Um, but I, either way, like if you're willing to do the work and make the changes, um, just know that's where I was going. Know that like you've got to do it all the way. Yeah. And so people try to plug and piece like puzzle from like, well, I'm going to do intermittent fasting strategy here, but then I'm going to do keto fueling for my endurance. I'm going to do a fat based. I'm going to be a fat based endurance athlete. Um, after my intermittent fasting in the first part of the day, and I'm going to do this, um, FTP building program on trainer road to build my FTP and they're doing it all at once. So you're intermittent fasted keto athlete on a power building program and you aren't going to get any of it to work. None of it. It's all going to suck. So if you're running the strategy, you're going to have a super negative opinion about all all of it and it all sucks. And you just said, this is the way I am. And now I'm going to just ride bikes for fun. Boom. E-bike downhill, 160 millimeter travel under (laughs) a bike. My point was that was the moment. That was the big, the big piece de resistance is this. Do any strategy entirely and don't think that you can make it up unless you're trained to make it up. Yeah, unless you're educated. Like do your one thing. Yeah. And then for a period of time, like you did intermittent fasting the right way. You did it for a period of time. You didn't bring a lot of people into the fold and you exhausted the the strategy for you without trying to fuck with it yeah. and add other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, fasted cardio. If, even if you are, we can. I think we can all like pretty much agree that like into January, February, March, people are transitioning out of training season into performance season, right? Right. Um, and I really wanted to think on that. Like, how can we go away from off season and 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 riding season to like that, like just training season, performance season, and something. I don't right. know. Something to think about. Um, it's celebration season because if yeah. you did the other two right, yeah, you should be like right. But you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, for yeah. for our for our vocabulary when yeah. we talk about stuff here. Um, you know, so everybody's kind of getting out of that mentality of it's the quote unquote off season, bad word for letter word. Um, and now we're into performance season. Is there room to do, um, uh, if you have in your, your plan, cause we're, we're, we're coming at this with clarity. We're executing a plan, whether it's nutrition or, or working out once a week, if you have a zone one, zone two recovery 
type thing, do it fasted? Yeah, no, that's a matter of fact, a, a, even a full fast once a week yeah. has shown to do crazy great things for like your body. Like a 24 hour? Yeah, 24 hour fast for the whole week has shown to do crazy things. I know I just kind of contradicted myself and said, well, don't add these other strategies, but that in itself is a strategy. Don't do a one day fast once a month, every third month when you <laughs> look at yourself sideways naked in a mirror and get bummed out. Right. But a one day fast is not a terrible idea. Yeah. Just have an expectation of what your performance will be like that day. Right. And probably how your performance will be the next day as you onboard food again. Um, but it's a phenomenal reset. We did that juice cleanse and I had to like totally adjust what my approach to working out was for three days. Right. Like, and then two days after it, you're like, you should feel great. And what we're hoping for is that a little bit of the benefits of that juice cleanse stuck physically, yep. but more so behaviorally, those, there was a learning lesson. Yeah. Right. And so learning lesson is when Justin gives you lemon cayenne, you drink that shit as fast as you can. Like don't even breathe through anything. Just it was Garfield. Better, it was better warm than it was cold. Ooh. If you could believe it. Yeah. I can't find any way it would be good. Um, I said better. I would say it was good. (laughs) Um, Uh, But yeah, a lot of, you know, and a lot of it is in understanding. So that uh, Aubrey Marcus guy, he owns a nutrition company and wrote a book um, about how to live, live a, a day. And he talks about, you know, food. And we talk so often, gym dudes and whatnot, about eating consistently and this and that. And so sometimes you find yourself... You know, need I could eat every three hours. And there's even argument, and I even make that argument that even if you eat six shitty things a day, spaced out every few hours, you're gonna get pretty good benefits. Yeah. And eventually, you realize you can't eat six shitty things a day. Like that dude made the McDonald's documentary showing that. Like eventually, just I just can't eat this anymore. Um, he fought through, but most of us can't make six bad decisions in one day. But this Aubrey guy makes a point. He's like, you know, you're not gonna die if you just don't eat that one thing. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of gaps in meal plans because I think it does start to shut our system down. Alternatively, like I think a lot of us use that as an excuse to have some shit. Well, I had to get something, yeah. right? And think of like the person at, and I don't think they're going to do these anymore, but at a happy hour or a networking event or- What are those? At a fair, right? <laughs> at a friend's house, out to dinner with people, and they're like, well, all they had was bacon-wrapped, yada yachts of cheese melted thing. Since I needed something- <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know if you would have fucking died if you just had a few more glasses of water and moved on and got home and ate something real. Because, yeah. by the way, you planned like shit. Remember how we talked about having, like, knowing mentally what your food prep is because yeah. you didn't do the chicken breast thing on yeah. Sunday? You messed that up. So hold your breath. Yeah. Drink some water. Ask for a couple of lemon wedges from yeah. the bartender. Hey, if you do make a bad decision, like, make a less bad decision. Like, don't double down on the bad decision. Like, I've been there, right? We've mm-hmm. all been there. Headache, hungry. You can act as desperate as you want. You're right. You're not going to die. You'll make it. But like, if you're gonna like make a bad decision, like, like make a slightly less bad decision. Like, you know, uh, I don't know. Just eat the fucking burger patties. Leave the bread. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like, right? Yeah, make it convertible. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh-huh. You're to- and then you want to know what people do the most. And uh, most people make when you do. It's inevitable when you do make a bad decision, Dude. right? When you do, when the next thing people do is they double down on the bad decision, as you said, by not eating anything afterwards. So, like, I just had a whole, like, you went out to lunch and you ate like this gut bomb monster fucking yeah. 
2,200 calorie burrito smothered in green cheese. It was amazing. And you're just like, and you don't eat the rest of the day. Yeah. So like you just take this <laughs> bomb and then you also go to the circuit breaker of your body's systems and you pull them all to off and you're like, sit with a bitch. <laughs> you know, like, like if you, uh, if you eat shit. a chili wrapped cheese full dog shit meal and you feel like a big ball of ass, right? Go home four hours later and make a big green fucking salad. salad bro. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, A, you'll push the sh- stuff yeah, out. Yeah. And B, like, you get your body right. Like, yeah. it needs a little. <laughs> Don't just lay on the couch and. <laughs> <laughs> Sit with it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a mean thing to do to your body. Oh, that was God terrible. Damn. Oh. All right. Um, I'm going to look and see if there's anything else we want to cover, but that was a lot. Um, there's nothing else I want to cover. I mean, it, it's all very much in the uh, kind of in the vein of um, a lot of this winter training stuff, just because it's that time of year. Um, there's one. Um, this one will be fun. This will be a little less heavy. Um, strategies for managing your expectations and confidence on race day. Oh yeah. Um, this ties back around. I mentioned. Um, no ride around.com. We put a blog up, you and I have been firing out some, some stuff here and there. And recently one of our, um, one of our team members was here at the store and says to me, you know, he went on a ride with uh, a couple of guys and it got hard. And he's like, he's got Leadville coming up this year. And he's like, you know, how do you like, how do you do that? Like, how do you just push through something like that? Wasn't even a percentage as hard as Leadville is going to be. Like, how do you push through? And, you know, I mentioned I gave my smart-ass answer and then, like, kind of had to walk it back a little bit later. Um, but I, I love the mental game. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, to me, <clears throat> I actually I, – I don't often try to identify things that I think I excel at, but I think I excel at, at the mental game. Um, except for when, like, it's also my – it can be my greatest weakness. Like the last race of the year was a very clear indicator of like when my mental game backfires, it's all the way backfires. <laughs> yeah, but that's that is somebody Not backfires who, just yeah. But somebody who mentality is a strength of theirs, which I agree like that is for you, then it is only that way. Yeah. Because if it is your strength, if it's off, then it's it's gotta be your yeah. like it's hot or cold. Yeah. Right. And it, and that's that just doubles the fact that it is your your no. kind of weapon. Um so man, managing expectations and confidence on race day for me has everything to do with visualization. It sounds all hippy dippy crystals and lotus pose and whatever. But the first time I did Leadville, I created my own mantra kind of unknowingly. Like I didn't set out to like create it, but it, it just, I had a thing that from the first pedal stroke of training for that race all the way through the end of the race and coming across the, uh, the finish line, I just had a thing that I hung on to. And, uh, specifically for that, it was, there's no scenario where I don't finish this race. And that was it. I applied it to everything for that whole year, eight months or whatever. Um, and then visualization, if you know the course, you can visualize every part of that event. For me, I literally, okay, here's how it's going to feel taken off. Here's how Kevin's is going to feel. How am I going to feel when I get to Twin Lakes Outbound? I'm going to feel real good. I'm going to see my wife. I'm going to see my friends. I'm going to get more food. 
How am I going to feel mile 60 something coming? Like literally every step of the way I thought about not like how each rock and pebble, cause that's ridiculous, but milestones of the event. How am I going to feel about it? And I think you can apply that to any race locally. Cause all the courses are just there to go ride. Right. That's, you know, and that's what, uh, let's be real, man. The unknown scares the shit out of everybody. Everybody. The unknown, the unknown is I got scared this weekend, straight up. Okay. Was scared this weekend. We, like I said, we took the staff out for this hut trip and it was, uh, depending on which route you took, it was anywhere between 6.79 and nine and a half miles away from the start. And there's multiple, there's four ways to get there. And we ended up taking the longest one possible, <laughs> not on purpose. Right. Right. Um, we ran out of light. We're doing it at night and, uh, no one has phone service. I don't, I'm the, it's my, my trip. My, I'm the lead. I'm the, and I've never been to this hut before ever at all. And so there was a spot where I was like, oh man, like I got enough beta and enough knowledge to know like, oh, it's going to be road here and then a snowball track here and then you're going to veer right at this fork and then it'll be snowmobiles. It's pretty much the whole way snowmobile. And I go, but you can't snowmobile all the way to the hut. They're like, no, I know, but then there's a skin track. And I'm like, all right. And like the way the person and I were talking, it sounded like so like, duh, dumbass. Like if you miss that shit, like you couldn't find Waldo if he was the only one on the page. That's right. So I was like, no big deal. And so we're on about, and we're on our adventure where we run out of light, we run out of deal. And when you run out of light, any of you, by the way, if you suck at technical riding, and you're not willing to spend the money with Andy at Dirt Smart, um, just start night riding your mountain bike and it will greatly increase your technical skills because you'll have tunnel vision and you could like, it'll like lock you in and zone you in. But when you're in the wilderness at night, with a group and you don't know exactly where to go, having tunnel vision is not the best. Yeah, like, you're really like trying to take in as much information <laughs> as possible and you're like drinking it through a pinhole. Totally. It's a bad idea. So there was a spot where I stopped and I was ahead of the group always, but on headlamps, so they didn't miss me. Where I was like, Justin, you like there's a chance. Well, and you're the leader, you're the right. guy, you're the boss. There's right. something like like one, if something goes wrong, you're liable. But two, also the people that you're with are like looking to you for answers. Yeah, and I'm sitting there, dude, I'm in the moment. I'm scared for a moment because I go, uh, you you could just be like right around the destination, but it's in the middle of the fucking woods and you, you'll you never see it right. because it's not a hut that's inhabited, right? We've right. rented it for the weekend. Right. So there's no lights on. There's no like beautiful smoke coming out of the chimney, like so drawing you in. Lights. No, like... Yeah. So it could be right over there and you can't tell. So the whole, I'm scanning with my headlamp and ultimately like we never made a wrong turn. We did take the longest route possible. And I did see the skin track just by panning my headlamp and seeing it. And I'm like, it was under two inches of fresh snow. I'm like, oh, and I pivoted and turned towards it. Like I knew like (laughs) like with authority and they're like, oh yeah. And I go, dude, yeah, we got the skin track guys. It's going to be right up here. And finally I get a bar of service. I'm like, I'm here. I was scared. Because we can always turn around and go back. Sure. And, and like, we're not going to die. We had enough food to feed yeah. an army. And, and right? you're with a group of physically fit people. Totally. Like, I had a shovel. I could build a snow cave. I know how to build a snow cave. Like, right. we weren't going to die. But still, it was you an unknown. Get real uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> the unknown will scare the shit out of you. Yeah. So this guy who came into the shop and goes, I did so bad on that. And like, well, you've never ridden Leadville. 
So how about we first stop uh, demonizing it and making it something that is so like, it's going to fucking crush me because this thing crushed me. Okay, it's longer in distance. It's higher in elevation gain. It starts in higher elevation. It is a more challenging event on paper, but don't demonize it. You don't even know what it's like. Mm -hmm. People scared on race day are those that have not taken the extra step to get comfortable with that uncomfortable, right? You're going to always be shitting bricks on race day because you care about it. I'm terrified at every start line Mm -hmm. because I have an expectation and I'm like, man, damn it, dude. Like, I hope I... I hope I don't do that, or I hope I do that, or I expect to do that. I should fucking win this, that, ah, 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 and I build, and I build, and I build, and then it's, and then it all goes away because I know the work that I've done. So get clarity. Oh, I'm coming back no, to it. No, it's, it's good. It, like, know the shit. Yeah. Like well, the, I, I've, anytime I've raced, except for breakup. We've pre-written. Yeah. If you pre-write, it just removes a variable. Removes it. So so don't demonize it and make it scary. There is a flip side to that coin. If you are doing an event or a race that you've never done before, and you couldn't pre-write it. I went and did the whiskey off-road. We're doing Oz Trails off. You're doing the, doing the big sugar gravel, right? Like all these events, doing the growler for the first time this year, whatever. And it's a brand new course, by the way. So Even if, if you had done it, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So if you are doing something blind... You can also get rid of all of the anxiety and the fear and all that by saying this, I have no idea what's coming up next, so I'm just going to be free. Yeah. I'm just going to enjoy it. And I'm going to take it in. Yeah. I, raced Shenan- I did- raced Virginia that way. We pre-rode like the first 10, 15 miles because then it gives you confidence for the start at least. I'm not freaking out. But then the rest of the race, I was like, I'm going to take that shit just as it comes. It dude. As like, we go. I'm going to race free. Brian Elander, new guy on our team. Brian, I hope you're listening. Third place world champ fat bike. Dude, just got third place. What the fuck? Dude, and that's a hammer group. Yeah. Uh, Josiah Middall won the race, yeah. which he's just a perennial super stud in yeah. everything worldwide. Yeah. He said the funniest thing, we've talked about him, I think, already before. He just goes, I got fast on an accident. And I was like, what do you mean? He explained it. And then he goes, every time I go rev a bike, I just ride as hard as I can. Yeah. Now, guys don't try that because he's <laughs> fucking 18. So he can, he's a gifted athlete. He, too. He's super gifted, and, but he can, or 19, he can do that. You can't, uh, his body can handle it, but he makes a good point. I just go as hard as my body allows me. Yeah. And, and if you can get to that place mentally yeah. and be free, yeah. that's another way to do it. So the, you have two strategies. Go learn I'll, it. I'll offer a third too. When it comes to unknowns is do so much work. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, like work your face off, be committed, do your, you know, if you have a if you have a scheduled workout, do the scheduled workout. If you have your meals prepped for the week, eat your meals. Don't yeah. stop at Taco Bell. Like do have so much other shit locked down that when you get to an unknown, you're like, "Well, I have 15 other known quantifiable things handled that this one isn't a big enough road." Totally. Dude, you're Michael Jordan said, I was never afraid of a shot I didn't take. You know why? Because a motherfucker took a shit ton of shots. He took them all. When he wasn't in the game. Yeah. So like the next day when there wasn't a game, he shot the ball a thousand times or 5,000 times. Right? Yeah. He got to say that when people asked him like, man, you don't get nervous doing the game winning shot? I never am nervous of a shot I haven't taken. Never get scared of a shot I haven't taken. Because he's done everything. 
do do everything. This person who says they're nervous about Leadville, you're only nervous because you know you haven't done everything. You've got a lot left on the table, yeah. and that is making you nervous. Is downhill skiing a workout? Bitch, you know it's not a workout. You're asking me that because you want an out. You're afraid of Leadville because you know you haven't done enough. Well, but also I, I, I see being at that spot as a huge opportunity. Like if, if, if I'm in a decent spot fitness-wise and I'm still eight months out from the event, I see nothing but opportunity. Totally. I see nothing but blue skies and green grass. I'm like, man, I have so many daily opportunities to be ready for that bitch. Yeah, I, we've, we've said this before. Like you get to a point where you're like, I know I can just go pop off a 100-miler. Right, and if you can get to that point, you know, weeks or months, months out of your event, yeah, then boy, you got a lot of time to not just well, you've already known you can do the hundred miler. Now you can actually race it, yeah, and then you're not afraid. So, clarity, man, like do the work, right? But go learn it. Like don't and don't demonize these things. People build this shit up. Like listen, twenty two hundred people do lead twenty four twenty six hundred people do Leadville every single year. Right? Um, they do it. You know what convinced me to do Leadville? No. There's that. Not convinced me, but one of the things where, like, the first time I had an inkling that I could do it was there's uh, a movie called Race Across the Sky, which is the first yeah, year that, awesome. that Lance uh, Armstrong raced it. And uh, I don't I, I don't even know if they featured the person in, like, one of the, like, interviews or something. Um, but there's just this, like, old lady on, like, a rigid trek doing it. And it's not to take anything away from her, but like, there's no excuse who, right. for at that time was a 33 year old, you know, bike, you know, physically fit bike riser to be like, I can't do that. Like, she's just like, no, I can do this. Tell me I can't. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'll tell you, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for grit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. a lot to be said for grit. I, I would argue there's a lot more grit in those old-timer endurance racers than there is in our current Olympic team. Yeah. Because our yeah. current Olympic team is hyper-efficient sports car, yeah. but those engines blow, yeah. and they don't need grit because they're so highly tuned right now. But that grizzled freaking 70-year-old lady on that rigid, she's got more grit. Like Life will have to be drugged from her body. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd, I would rather be that person every time. Yeah. That person also wants to see their best performance too. So yeah, you know, there's two sides of that always, but guys, your questions are awesome. Uh, I do feel like we did tap into like a unknowingly, like a good theme. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which is like, ask the questions, right? Ask the questions, listen to the answers and then apply a, a sound strategy to solve them and like, stop asking them because you've, You've solved them. I mean, I know I just said ask questions and stop asking the same <laughs> like directive. What do I do? <laughs> but it, it's it's a sequence, yeah. right? You ask, you learn, you understand, you apply, yeah. and then you get to ask new questions. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, you'll have new perspective. If you're um, finding yourself asking the same questions over and over again, that's probably something to look at. Right. Uh, well, I think we took up enough of our advice time. Oh, dude, I know we've been chatting forever. We can keep going. No, it's, we could, but. Uh, For now, we'll say thanks to everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. See you.